Well, happy Easter. Glad you guys are here with us today. And, um, previous to what we're going to be reading today, uh, Easter morning has already happened. And Jesus, uh, in this Easter morning, has already resurrected from the dead. And he appeared to a woman, and her name was Mary of Magdala, so she was known as Mary Magdalene. And what's interesting about Mary Magdalene is she was the first one to see Jesus resurrected because she was there at the tomb. She was around, hoping, wishing. But if anything, she was at least going to take care of the body of her Savior. And because she was faithful to show up, a former demon-possessed prostitute that followed the Lord now was the first person to see the resurrected Lord. She ran to the disciples. And she knew exactly where they were because they were hiding. <laughs> she wasn't, but they were. The door was locked and she, she comes up and they believe it's her. They let her in and they ask her, you know, what in the world? And she says, I've seen him. I've seen him risen. And they're like, she's out of her mind. But Peter and John are at least curious enough at that moment to like start running on. And so they're, they're running. They probably outpaced her. They're so excited to get there. And they get to the tomb. They see the stone is rolled away. They entered the tomb and Jesus's body is not even there. But what did that mean? And as you look at other parts of Scripture, what you see is that the, the grave clothes of where Jesus laid were untouched. Like, if it was a grave robber situation, they wouldn't undress the person. They would just grab the body and go. But this was like not even undressed. It was like, almost like it kind of dissipated somehow. Like he was resurrected a different way. It was physical resurrection. But like Jesus was resurrected. And like those weren't only the weird thing. They looked over at the face cloth and the face cloth had been neatly folded. I always knew Jesus was neat, by the way. <laughs> neatly folded. Like who would do that? So they go away perplexed and they come back to the room that they had just left. And as they're standing among each other, they kind of tell the disciples and John believes some more, a little bit more, it seems like than Peter did, but they start talking. But then soon in that very locked room, Jesus appeared to them physically, just like he did. To Mary. And then these disciples literally just were undone. But there was one missing. His name is Thomas. Yes, the one that gets the bad rap. Doubting Thomas. Did you ever know that's where that saying came from? Yeah, you thought somebody made it up. No, it's from the Bible. And so here we are, doubting Thomas, or Thomas as we're going to call him, wasn't there. Where was he? 
Like, why did the Lord show up when Thomas wasn't there? And why was Thomas gone? Was he running errands? We don't know. Was he telling people about Jesus? Was he trying to do something, you know, about what was happening? We don't know. We know he was a brave man. We know he said in one part of Scripture, when Jesus says we're going to go see Lazarus because he's dying, um, he literally... The disciples are like, hey, don't go. You're going to die. They're, they're seeking to kill you there or around there. And he goes, no, we're going to go. And Thomas says, well, let's follow him maybe to our death. Like He's like, we're going to follow him come what may. So we don't know where he was. And we don't know that he was a man that was just like full of doubt when we think about doubt. This is a different type of doubt. And so Thomas wasn't there, and we're going to read right now about what happened when Thomas was there eight days later. Somebody pray for us, and then we'll have our reading. Father, we thank you for the way that you always meet us in our doubt. We're grateful, Lord, that you constantly help us provide for us. And use our doubts to bring you to you as we'll see today. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can please stand as we have our reading from John chapter 20, beginning in verse 24, and it's up there on the screen. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Jesus had come here in this moment to really rescue or calm Thomas's doubt. You know, when we read uh, through these pages of scripture, and, and when I say Thomas gets a bad rap, I mean all of us at some point have doubted like good news, right? Uh, we've doubted bad news. We've doubted fake news. We've doubted real news. We, there's things that we've always doubted. And often doubt is understandable because we've asked God to maybe answer a prayer and he didn't answer it. Or maybe he did, but it wasn't the way that we wanted it to be answered. Or we go through a difficult time and we don't experience help from God where we see the pain in the world and we wonder why is God saying that he, why would people say that God is at work even in these painful things? 
Thomas was at this type of point. Like it's a point of doubt and grief, loss of hope, fear, all of these emotions that were happening for Thomas. And in verse uh, 25, the first thing that we see is that the other 10 disciples that were there at that point are there again when Jesus appears and Thomas is now there for the first time and they say to him before this, I'm sorry, Thomas hadn't seen him yet. They say to him, we've seen the Lord. And then Thomas is like, well, tell me what happened. Like, are you really? They're like, yes, we've seen him. All, all of us, we've seen him. He's like, what are you talking? No, no, no. It, you, you saw a ghost. Have you been drinking? Did you get into the communion, communion wine again? Like, what's the deal? And they keep telling him, and, and, and they say he even showed us his hand and the side where they, where they pierced him. And Thomas says it in a way that I think we all have kind of misinterpreted. I don't know that Thomas is like, I won't believe in a way of like, so here they are, and they're, they're telling him, and, and, and Thomas is not like, I'll never believe. And not like, you guys are nuts, that can never happen. Maybe Thomas was like, hey, guys, I, I believe you. Think you saw him. But until I actually experience for myself what you say you experience, I, I can't even be where you are. So I, I won't be able to believe like you do if I don't touch his, put my finger in his nail-scarred hands and put my hand on his side. I think that doubt is kind of like in all of us in some way or another. Like we really want to believe. I don't think you would be here today if you didn't. And so he's basically saying, I, unless I see Jesus physically resurrected, I can't believe. And so we had a fun little exercise at our staff meeting. Sorry, Casey missed it, but, and she's still, did, were you in here when I said that we're praying that you have an Easter baby? Um, <laughs> we're praying for an Easter baby. Um, but we were, I was talking with uh, Stacy and Lyle, like, hey, what, what would you do if you were Thomas? Like, let's, let's kind of talk through that. I wanted to hear their perspective. And Lyle brought up just, they they both brought up great points, but then Lyle kind of, the way he worded something was like, uh, if, if, if my daughter called me and said that, you know, a dead relative had just showed up at our house, I think I'd be like, are you okay? (laughs) I was like, well, yeah, that's actually really true. You know, and so the only difference in what they were experiencing and what we were experiencing is time. And they actually did physically get to see him, which is pretty cool. 
We will one day too, but we get to see him in so many other ways which we may not have time for, but we'll get there, hopefully. And I was like, what if while Stacy called you, your own wife? He goes, I'd say, I'm coming home to see if it's real. That's what Thomas was feeling right now. Well, then I'm a doubting Thomas, right? We all are. This is not, I won't. This is more like, I, can't, I just can't. I want to. And I think that's where we all are in life. And so, I just want us to really understand that Jesus turned Thomas's doubt into actual peace. Like he came to him. He didn't have to come back. He could have been like, hey, it was a one-night show. I'm so sorry. No, he came back. And Jesus invited Thomas to have his doubts calmed by showing back up. And I don't think Jesus was annoyed when he showed up. It doesn't say his actual reaction, but if you really like look at the character of Jesus, like he was never annoyed, except with like the Pharisees. And so I think that when he shows up, I mean, he literally says to them, uh, hey, peace be with you again. Like he shows up again. What a beautiful thing that he said to them. He said that to them the first time when he showed up when there's just 10 of them. It's the same thing the angel said when they showed up and spoke to the shepherds on Christmas morn. And here's Jesus now saying, peace be with you again. And he was saying that to all of them. And then he pivots. And he looks at Thomas. And I don't think he was annoyed. I think he was smiling and saying, I hear you wanted to see me. I hear you needed to see me for yourself. And Thomas, that is totally understandable. Because guess what? They didn't believe Mary. And so there's not a shame of like doubt in this whole conversation. Because this is what Easter is all about. Because God can take our doubt and bring us peace that brings us actual renewal in life. And so in this moment before Jesus shows up and, and is smiling at Thomas, like I believe the character of Jesus is proved in the, in the pages, that's how he would have reacted. That's how I think I would have reacted if somebody didn't believe me and it was true. Maybe not that. I'd be like, I told you. <laughs> but I could have been like, are you joking? Like, I'm not joking. Like, this is real. And so I'm sure the disciples kept telling Thomas, and he probably was just processing it, but it was like eight days later. That had to be a long eight days. And so here's Thomas over this eight days 
struggling, doubting, wanting to believe. And I'm sure, like many of you, in your own doubt, you are like looking for God everywhere. You're, you're looking for Jesus in any suit. I'm sure, as Thomas is talking, he's like, I mean, I would have been looking all around, opening doors, like, I mean, just trying to see if this was real. Eight days. And when he showed up, Thomas was full of hope and peace. And he forgot all about those eight days in an instant. But I don't think those eight days were wasted. Because I think that's part of Thomas's story, this idea of doubt. And I wonder if Thomas is up in heaven going, yeah, you call me Doubting Thomas. I'll take it. Because you are too. Because his, his doubt wasn't a, a, a I'll never or I, or I can't or it is I, I, I want to. I just can't right now. I can't until. And Jesus made him wait eight days there. And so in that journey of doubt that he had, which led to renewal, can you imagine the way that he was able to talk about Jesus to other people now? Like people are like, no way. And Jesus even goes on what Grace read earlier. Like he said to Thomas, like, hey, hey, you believe because you see. Like that's not a shame, Phil. So he's like, hey, man, you're, you're believing right now because you see me. But there's going to come a time when people can't see me. And Thomas, their eight days, I, it depends on the person, depends on the situation, but they're all going to have those eight-day moments like you had all throughout their lives. And those are an invitation from me to do exactly what I did to you. And so, Thomas, I gave you those things, and your doubt I'm using because you didn't hide it from me. I mean, Thomas flat out said, Lord, if you want me to, if you want me to believe what you're asking of me to believe, I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to see for myself. And then when that happened and he touched his side and his hands and maybe he didn't, I don't know, maybe he was like, I'm good. But I mean, and like the Lord even said, Specifically, hey Thomas, I heard what would be helpful to you is like if you actually put your finger in my hand. Come on. I'm not a spirit. I'm not a ghost. I'm not a figment of your imagination. I am physically risen. Matter of fact, literally in another gospel it says he ate fish with him. So he might have said, touch there, and then after you do that, can you start cooking some fish? I'm a little hungry. <laughs> like this is a physically risen Jesus. I saw it right here. Go ahead. Both the things that he specifically said, God pointed out. 
The disciples were like, it was evidence of. We don't have any evidence that that's what they asked for. They just said, we, it wasn't physically. Like, we saw this, we saw that. Like, but Thomas was like, until I touch them. But he said about us, those that believe without seeing, he goes, blessed are those that are able to believe without seeing. You know that word blessed means supremely blessed. I don't know what all that means, but I'm interested. Dee and I talked about it forever. And I said, I, there's something there. I don't, it could be just for me. I don't know. So more to report. You don't hear any more about it. It's just for me and mind your own business. But, um, but that literally, like, it, what does that mean? But we're called supremely blessed. It's not riches. It's not fame. It's a different way that the Lord means blessed. You see, the, the cross brought many people great doubt. And there is much doubt today like there was back then. I mean, Jesus said, I am the Son of God. I'm, I'm God in the flesh. And, and as he is pinned to the cross and dies, like, like a lot of people are like, told you. Told you he's just a good dude. Told you he was a crazy zealot that was just trying to start a cult. Let's go. And off they go. There were some there just like staring and stunned at him or staring at the ground. Multiple reactions. But a whole lot of doubt. And there is much doubt today. Even with evidence of uh, the cross and even the evidence of an empty grave. You know there's more evidence if you look at literature and art, more evidence of, of a risen savior than there is George Washington being the first president of the United States. Look it up. There's all that evidence. So we can't really solve the doubts of other people if we can't solve our own doubts, right? But guess what? I promise you, your current doubt, if you don't hide it from God, one day walking across your path is going to be another follower of Christ who had the same doubt that God guided them through. But guess what? They have a current doubt. And maybe it's the one that you've already had resolved with the Lord. Don't hide your doubts. I'm not saying get up here like Ed did during announcements and say, oh, and one more announcement. Here's my doubt. But tell God about it first. And ask God to bring other people around you to help you with that doubt. Not people to fix it. To walk through you in it. Because we can have our doubts calmed, maybe not solved, but calmed. Because when we bring a doubtful but willing heart, God will give you peace. 
And through that peace, you will be brought to a renewed self. And that's what we've been studying as a church, just a season of renewal. How the Lord renews us. And this is the beginning of the actual story of real renewal. The fact that Jesus did resurrect from the dead means that he defeated death. The fact that he paid for his, with his life for our sins means he defeated sin. And so there is another part of the story. It's like that's where everything started in regards to living a renewed life. We are constantly reminded by God to not hide our doubts, to bring them to him. And we will encounter a living God. This Easter, let us remember that our doubt and faith don't have to be mutually exclusive. That our doubt and our faith don't have to even be enemies. Our doubt can be an invitation from God. Our eight days, maybe, like some Thomas had, to really enter into a time of renewal for the Lord. Because ever since Easter, He's been renewing us over and over and over again through the generations.